Um, how many of you guys remember when that song came out uh, in the mid-90s, late-90s? And um, man, I've just been a wreck this morning during worship, just bawling my eyes out. I remember when that song came out, I used to have a, a two-door Ford Escort, a little hatchback, and um, had my Passion CD, and I would put that thing in. Um, I had uh, just, man, I am just emotional. Um, I felt God had just basically told me that my dream of what I was going to do with my life wasn't going to happen. And, um, and it was very clear. It wasn't just like a, oh, I started to get a feeling. It was just like a door got slammed in my life. And I remember I used to just drive around our county playing that song and just crying out, God, I need, like, because I didn't know what in the world then am I doing? What are you doing in my life? What is it? But just crying out for more of him. And then looking at the past, you know, 20 years from that time of just what God has done and just the areas of where he has come through, there's something emotional about when you, when you, when you recall what God is doing in your life. And when you recall the joy of his salvation, of when he comes and he rescues you where you're at. As Casey said, when we can come just as I am, and I can come in and he accepts me and he loves me and then he challenges me and he, and he feeds me and he causes me to grow. And just what a, what a great thing. Well, we have been on a series called The Gospel and um, yeah, the, the main part, the, the, the focus of this entire series, uh, we've gone a couple weeks, is getting the gospel, not just the event. Was there an event of the gospel? Yes, there was. And that was actually the title of the Easter message was the event. But how do we get this experience? How do we get this event and, and what the gospel represents? As we sang that, the, the last song we sang was to get it from our head to our heart. How many of you find that that can be a struggle sometimes? It's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, it seems like it would be simple. Oh, just real quick. I just got to, I hear it, I take it from here, and I just download it here. And why would we struggle bringing the gospel from our head to our heart? I mean, you know what I mean? If there's anything that should be easy to transfer from our head to our heart, it should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should be our salvation. It should be what he represents and what he wants to do in our life. But that can still be a battle for us. Uh, but this morning, we are capping this series off, and we are focusing on the gospel reconciles us. Now, obviously, there's the element of, the, of how the gospel, what Christ did, reconciled each one of us to God. But there's also the reconciliation that needs to take place between us personally. How many of you guys have people in your life that maybe you could use a tad bit of reconciliation with. Come on. Let's be honest. Okay? We, we need reconciliation in our life. And um, uh, the gospel, as we allow it to go, though, from our head to our heart, is what's going to cause us to be able to create the create those reconciliations and to create that community and so as been announced with our community life brochure um, we're starting this next trimester of community groups and uh, that is one of the ways that God reveals himself to each one of us 
is through community, is through relationships. He does not want us to be torn apart. It breaks his heart when he sees us torn, torn, torn apart from each other, when we allow little things to get between us, and when we allow situations to break us apart, and he wants to draw us together. One of the things I do want to point out is before we get too far into the message is um, one of our, we, we did our go big prayers. How many of you guys are still praying for your go big prayers? Come on, that wasn't just something we wanted to do at the beginning of the year. It's something we got we to gotta stay on it. We got to keep praying for those things. But one of our church's go big prayers was that this trimester that we would have um, at least 10 Bible study community groups, groups where the focus is getting into the Bible, getting more knowledge of, of what God's word says and understanding it. And we can all use that. We could all use a little more understanding of what the Bible says, not just for the knowledge side. Again, we want to get it from our head to our what? We want to get it from our head to our heart. So I want to encourage you, those are all the ones with the red flags, is to look through those. Remember, don't just look at the pictures, okay? Everybody looks different. Everybody does black and white photography a little different. And, you know, some people look really shaded. Other people look really bright. Don't be scared by their photos. You, Look at the description and asking God, Lord, what do you want to stretch me in? Some of you guys have busy lives. How many people in here are busy? Okay? For the rest of you, sign up. We got some stuff you can do. And I'll make you busy. We got busy lives. And feel free. Some of these things are, are groups where maybe you can only come once a month. You know what? That's better than zero times a month. I once had someone ask me about, you know, they, they came from more of a conservative church and they were saying, you know, why do you guys raise your hands? And uh, it's kind of hypocritical because I'm sure sometimes your hands are raised, you're not thinking about God. And I looked at him, I said, you're absolutely right. Probably 60% of the time sometimes in a service that my hands are raised, I'm actually not worth, like actually thinking about God. The words are coming out of my mouth, but I'm thinking about what I'm doing after church or anything. Anybody with me on that? Or maybe you guys are more holy. But I, said, but I said to him, I would rather miss it on that 60% and then praise him on the 40% than, than, and not that you can't praise him if your hands aren't raised, but I'd rather give him everything that's within me and maybe mess up a couple times because I got distracted, but spend the rest of the time giving him all that I have. So in the same way, if you can only get to community once a month, get there once a month. You can get into community twice a month. Awesome. Get into there twice a month. So don't let your schedule hold you back. We got a ton of different groups. Okay, I'm done with that commercial. And uh, that's that. All right. In John, um, I'm just going to read real quick in John chapter 13. And uh, verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So, just as he loved us, we're to love others. Amen. And so we have to first receive the love that he's given us. We have to accept it, which means it can't be in our head. We have to, to accept something. We got to allow it to go down into our heart. And then through that, we will be able to love others. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that is community. That as we accept the love of Christ in our lives, we allow it to change who we are. And then as we begin to show people that same exact love, 
that's going to be the best evangelistic tool any of us could ever use. How many of you in here would say you don't think you're much of an evangelist? This isn't a trick question. It's okay. You know, you, you, you just don't feel like you get a little nervous when it comes to, you know, you, you think of evangelism as holding a sign, you know, down on, you know, down at the beach and just telling everyone they're, you know, they're going to hell or you think it's knocking on doors or this or that. True evangelism, the most impactful evangelism is in our relationships, in the way we relate to people. The majority of people that come, they, they, they get saved. They get saved through a relationship with someone. They don't get saved because they were walking down the street and someone rolled down their car window and said, you're going to hell. Now, periodically, those things do work. Some people, some of us need to get scared, okay? Some of us learn by wisdom. Some of us learn by consequences. And uh, so some people need those fears to come up. But here in uh, John chapter 13, we're being told that as we accept the love of Christ in our lives and we begin to love others, that that is going to be the best evangelistic tool any of us could ever have and so the gospel reconciling us obviously like i said it reconciles us because god is reconciling us to him reconciling is to restore to restore the relationship to the way it should have been okay it's it's to it's to bring unity back in it's to it's to bring us back together And if you think about probably some of those relationships that you have, I know for myself, a lot of, not all, but a lot of the relationships that I have in my life where there can end up being some kind of separation, there's a lack of trust of God in that separation. In my marriage right now, the thing that God is challenging me in is, am I where, is where I allow the gospel to stay in my mind. And I don't allow it in my heart. If I don't allow the gospel in my heart, then I'm not allowing God's love for me to fill up every hole and every void in my heart. So what do I do? If I have a void, who then do I begin to put the responsibility to, to fill that void on? My wife is honored to have that role. <laughs> and it's never brought about any tension. No, but as, as I allow who God is in my life to fill that up, all of a sudden I'm not putting a false sense of responsibility on her. All of a sudden I'm not, um, I haven't done it yet, so this is what I'm thinking is going to take place. <laughs> I believe, <laughs> no, is I'm no longer putting this burden on her that she wasn't meant to carry. God's the only one that can fill those spots. But he can't fill those spots if it's just knowledge in our brain. We can quote all the scripture we want to quote. We can attend church multiple times. We can do all sorts of things. But if we don't allow it to actually go in and fill up those voids in our life and to become the answer where we have questions, to be the provider where we have needs, then what do we do? We put it on other people. We're upset with our boss because we didn't get a raise because we have a financial need instead of trusting God. 
I get bothered by my wife because she didn't build up my confidence, but it wasn't her job. It's because I'm relying on her to do it instead of me getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, I'm yours today. Who do you say I am? Get into the word and saying, wow, he has promises for me. He's spoken to me. He's called me to greatness. He says, I'm going to do mighty, mighty things in him that nothing is impossible when he's with me. But instead of holding on to that promise, I'm looking to others. I'm looking to friends. I'm looking to coworkers. We got to get it into our heart. If you'll turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. It says, be kind to one another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I don't know about you, I do not want to be a person where I'm receiving something from God that I refuse to give down to others and to those around me. And so here... He's saying to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This isn't a verse about working harder. He's not telling us to strive. He's not saying get up earlier. He's not saying, you know, sweat a little bit more, um, uh, 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 grit a little bit more, squint a little bit more, be a little more intense. It's not in a, a verse about an event. He's not saying, I once forgave you. There was a time when I was tender. There was, you know, he, he's not talking about an event. That's the gospel right there. He's asking us to embrace the gospel, that we would be kind to one another. Who's kind to us? God is. That we would be tender-hearted to one another. God is continually tender-hearted to me and you. And he shows us compassion. And that we would forgive one another. God is always forgiving me. Just as God through Christ has forgiven us. So when we allow the gospel to go from our head to our heart, we take a step towards becoming more like Christ. Because he's able then to work in us He's able to work through us, and he's able to work around us. But when we shut it off just into our mind, we can kind of block him and put him into a box and leave him off to the side. So attention can arise. Now, we had a guy come here um, a couple years ago. His name was Bill Graybill, and he came, and he, he worked with our staff, and he worked on conflict management, conflict resolution, things like that. And one of the things he talked about is he talked about tensions to manage versus uh, problems to solve. How many of you guys have some problems in your life you would like to see solved? Okay? How many of you guys enjoy those tensions that you actually can't solve, but all you get to do is manage them? Okay, the, the difference is this. There are certain problems that you can solve, but there's other tensions that you're never going to be able to solve. They're, and if you think you can, you're just going to frustrate yourself because they're always going to be there. 
There are tensions, going back to my marriage or back, back to raising my kids or something like that, that there's certain tensions because we're two human beings that just are not going to just go away. Okay? I can, I can work at it and I can do this, but there's going to be certain things that take place in our life. And, and we, so we have to learn to manage the tension. Okay? We got tensions in this room right now. There are people here that feel like they're at the dentist. Thank you, Wayman. <laughs> there are people here that you feel like you're at the dentist because the lights are on all the way. Anybody here like that? There are other people that are so depressed because they're vitamin D deficient and it's been so dark because dark is trendy that they've been depressed the last year and a half. And so they're like, thank you, God, you're shining down on me. Anybody like that? We got people in here that write us comment cards saying the worship was too quiet and too soft last week. Where are you? <laughs> on the same week, we can get cards that say it was too loud. I couldn't focus because it was too loud. Where are you? <laughs> we got people in here that think the church is geared way, much, way too much to the young. And we got people in here that say the church is geared way much to the old. Way much. I know I'm not speaking English. <laughs> we have people in here that are good with grammar in the English language. <laughs> and we have some of us that aren't. These are tensions. No, but we've got tensions, and those aren't tensions. We can't solve it. We're not going to come to an agreement of the perfect lighting scheme in here. It is never, ever going to happen. So until then, we just do something different every week. Hopefully, one Sunday, it's your flavor. But it's something that we have to manage. It is not a, it is not a problem that, that can just be solved. And um, so, so we have this tension because we are bringing in knowledge into our, our, our brain. We, we, we see and it processes here. We hear and it processes here. We sense and it comes in. And there's this tension because it, we're not going to one day just say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me to go into my heart. And that then from that moment on, you're never going to struggle with it. This is a tension that we have to live with. And so if you think, if I think that we just are going to sing the song from the head to my heart, take me on the journey, Lord, and that all of a sudden you're going to walk, we're going to walk out of here and there's, there's, we're no longer going to struggle with it. We're going to end up being some really frustrated people. But what it is, is we have to learn how to manage the tension. We have to learn how to manage it and to, re to, to, to recognize it and to find it and, and to be able to move those things to our heart. I got a little echo up here. The sound guys hate it when I talk because they believe that my frequent... How many of you guys enjoy my voice? <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I ever told this, I once was up here giving announcements and I looked out and there was several people, no joke, bent over in their seat, plugging their ears. <laughs> I thought, maybe the frequencies just aren't doing really well with my voice in the microphone. That was a problem to solve though, just so you know. All right, so we want to have reconciliation in our relationships. 
And we got to be able to settle that, that there is going to be a tension between what's in our mind and what's in our heart. And that's, that's something that we have to manage on a daily basis. We have to get up in the morning and we have to say, Lord, today I want to live for you. Today, God, I want to find my identity in who you say I am, not in who others say I am. Not only do I not want to take in what others say about me negatively, but God, I don't want to be looking to the wrong people. I don't want to be putting a pressure on others to, to form my identity when it's an identity, God, that you already formed. It's about me receiving the identity that you already said about me. Help me to see. Well, that, that starts with an attitude, and that's something we have to do on a continual basis over and over and over again. In, in, uh, there's a lot of tensions in the Bible. The Bible is not a boring book, and there's a lot of tensions, and it's kind of interesting. In, uh, in the book of Joshua, uh, the, the Israelites... Are, are, have been wandering around the desert for a whole bunch of years. It was supposed to be a shorter journey, but because they complained, uh, they kept driving. Kind of a weird thing. If you think about it, um, how many of you have ever taken like your family, well, you've all been on a family trip of some sort. So whether you're the parent taking the kids or you were the kid with the parents or you're with another family or something like that, you're in the car. And how many of you have ever had tension rise up and complaining, <laughs> murmuring? You know, frustration, they crossed my line on the seat. <laughs> I used to enjoy the old plastic seats because if you're wearing shorts and you're in hot weather, you actually got stuck so no one could actually move <laughs> and it felt like they were tearing their skin off if they moved, so that kind of helped keep everybody in place. <laughs> but you know, you think about what God did with the Israelites because they were complaining and they were murmuring and all this, he decided that he was just gonna keep on the vacation, keep on the trip. I tell you what, that is the last thing I would have in my mind. You know what, guys? Because you're complaining, we're just going to drive over the grapevine one more time. We're going to drive back to San Francisco before we go back to L.A. No, you know, you, you want to end the trip as fast as possible. But there is a tension that was happening. And so in chapter 1, in the first couple of chapters, in chapter 1, uh, uh, God tells Joshua to be strong and to be courageous and tells them that they're going to cross over the Jordan and, and that they're going to conquer this land, this promised land, that it's finally time to obtain the promises. In chapter 3, they, they cross over the Jordan and, and you have the priests and they have the Ark of the Covenant, which was, uh, uh, and they're carrying it. And as they step into the water, the water start, stops running to where all the people are able to go across on dry ground. I would call that a miracle, right? Then in, in, in chapter 4, God tells them each tribe to have a representative who, who gets a rock, and they, and they build a memorial. What's the memorial for? The memorial is to remember what God had done. He took them out of Egypt. He delivered them. He, he was taking them to the promised land, how he provided for them. And then he tells them that, you know, as, you, um, as your kids get older and generation comes, everyone will be able to look back on it and remember what God did in their life, what God did for them as a nation. So they're building this monument for that. Then in chapter 6, they come to the city of Jericho. This is going to be the first city that they take. God has an amazing war plan. I mean, talk about strategy that they're till, still teaching at West Point. You march around the sucker six times blowing your trumpet. On the seventh time, you're going to do it, and you're all going to just start shouting and praising the name of God. And when you do, the walls are going to come down. And the city is going to crumble. 
Now, he tells them one thing, though. When you go in there, everything that you take from that city, no one is to keep for themselves. So then, next chapter, chapter 7, they're going to fight another battle in Ai. And they lose the battle. Trying to figure out what went wrong, God's into, God ends up speaking that a man by the name of Achan had kept belongings for himself. Now, there's a tension that's taken place. Obviously, there was a disconnect taking place. God had done all these miracles for them. I'm telling you what, if all of a sudden we decided to take a picnic down to the Columbia River and the worship team decided to step in it and the water stopped and so we crossed over to Jansen Beach... And then when we got over there, God said, I want you to get a couple rocks and build something. And then guess what? You're headed to Delta Park. But when you get there, anything that you find laying around is not for you to keep. It's for me. At least I hope I would be this way. But I would be like, okay, the dude just stopped the Columbia River. I'm going to listen to what he says. But we don't listen when it stays in our head. We can only hold on to that when we allow it to go down to our heart. In my parenting, I don't want to just tell my kids, don't do this. Now, there's a difference between them running across a busy street and me just saying stop. And I mean stop when I say stop right at the moment I say stop. But that's different than me saying, you know what, I I, I want you to check with me before you do this. Because I want them to get the heart of it. I don't, and I want to explain the why. I want to explain the ramifications if they go down this certain path. I don't want them just to have the knowledge in their head. I want it to be something in their heart. A lot of times I'll decide that I'm actually going to compliment my wife. And so I'll step out and I say, I love you. Yeah, I I wish she thought that was sweet, but she doesn't. She follows it up with a question. What do you love about me? (laughs) Here's the deal. She doesn't want head knowledge. She could, in a sense, give a rip that I just said I love her. She wants me to talk from the heart so that she can deposit in her heart what I love about her. I'm not very artistic, and so sometimes I'm like, man, you're so creative. And she's like, oh, yeah, how so? We got to get it from our head to our heart. There you go. Amen. What made worship powerful this morning? It's because we weren't just singing the words in our brain that Jesus loves us. Right, right. If you got touched, you got touched because you were experiencing it in your heart that Amen. he has truly accepted you just the way you are. Amen. And that he's pleased with you and that he loves you and that he has a plan for you. But that's what made it powerful is because it went from our head to our heart. But here's the interesting thing here in, in, the, in, in Joshua is in verse 7. And a lot of times you hear it talked about. How many of you guys have heard the verse where God is telling Joshua to be strong and courageous? Right. Yeah. Okay, I've heard message after message preached about it. It's been in movies. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a very common verses to be Read, But in in, in verse 7, it says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servants, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's getting it from the head to the heart. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have a good success. So God had told Joshua the secret. God had commanded him, you got to get it from your head to your heart. Don't just know the stories. Don't just know the verses. Meditate on them. Let them sink deep down and so that you can hold on to them. Going back to John chapter 13, if you'll turn there real quick. Here Jesus has just, in, the, in, in chapter 13, Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet, showing that he did not come to, to be served, but to serve. He just explained that one of them are going to betray him, and then he gives them a new commandment. And that's where in verse 34, 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He has chosen to reveal himself through us. There are moments where someone is just lying in their bed and God just visits them right there and just talks to them and they have a conversion experience. But the majority of people experience God even on a first conversion side of things through the example of someone else. But then even after we accept Jesus to be the leader of our life, the way God provides for us, the way he encourages us, is he, he works through other people. Someone calls you up and they give you an encouraging word. Someone writes you notes saying that they've been praying for you. You're in a community group and, and someone just says, you know what, I, I just felt like God told me to give you 20 bucks. Someone else walks up to you one day Sunday at church and says, I've never met you before, but God just wants you to know that he loves you. God works through us, and he works through others to, 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 to minister to us. So it's not about how much we attend church. It's not about whether or not that, that, that's going to get people. Your neighbors aren't impressed by your, your church frequency. It's not the Republican sign in your yard that makes them want to give their life to Christ. It's not that you refuse to listen to anything else except the fish on the radio. It's not that you have a policy that you're not going to touch alcohol. Those aren't the things that are going to cause people to want to come to a relationship with Jesus and say, I see life change. It is as your heart begins to change and as we accept the love of God and we take it though from our mind and we get it into our heart and then we begin to actually love others with that same love because it's changed our character. Many times the way we treat other people is actually just a reflection of what we believe about ourselves. If we feel rejected, what do we do? We reject. If we feel superior, we put ourselves over. It doesn't matter what it is, what, what, what we feel. And so that's why we got to get into what God says about us. And I was going to have Casey sing a, a song, and I'm not going to do that this morning, so stand down. <laughs> I was going to sing the, the Michael W. Smith song, Say it for me. Agnes, you're supposed to say it loud. Agnes Day. I, I can never say it right because the letters aren't phonetic. 
I mean, who spells day D-E-I, but whatever. But because I, I feel like the heart of it already happened in worship today. But I wanted us to sing it because I wanted us to see that as we fix our eyes on Jesus and as we begin to truly worship him, and that's a, it's such a simple song to worship to and to sing. It's simple words, and, 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 and you, you can just sing those over and over. But to see that as we begin to worship God, all of a sudden, our frustrations maybe with those around us, our fears, our, our any kind of those tensions begin to decrease. Because we've allowed him to increase. And he begins to fill those spots up. But it's an example of as we allow it to go, the gospel to go from our head to our heart, that some of those other things are going to be able to be pushed away. And I feel like we already got that uh, in, in, uh, in, in the worship service. All right, lastly here, how will I be different? So number one, getting the gospel not just the event, but the constant life-changing gospel. Not just the fact that Jesus died on the cross, but what his death, his burial, and his resurrection represents in my life. But even beyond that, who he is in my life on a daily basis. All the things he's forgiven me of. All the things he's restored in my life. All the things he's said about me. All the things where he's come and he's been there for me. So when I get that constant life-changing gospel, we got to get it to go from our head to our heart. How many of you guys are sick of hearing that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Number two, we want to be a John 13, 34 through 35 people that we take on this new commandment, that as we love one another, but first remember we gotta receive the love of Christ, just as he has loved us, that we also would love one another, and that by this, all people will know that we are his disciples, if we have that love for one another. Number three, when the gospel goes from our head to our heart and is embraced, and worship team, you guys can come up, when the gospel goes from our head to our heart and is embraced, we hold on to it. We want to love because he first loved us. We want to forgive because he first forgave us. We want to serve others because Christ laid down his life for us. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. We want to give because all we have is his. You know, it's interesting, the subject of tithing. How many of you guys feel like the, you know, you're, you're kind of told in, 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 you know, you never go into business with a family member, and there's certain things you just don't talk about. You know, it's religion and, and politics, and in the church, the, the kind of the taboo subject is money. Anybody ever felt that, thought it? Maybe you just point at your neighbor. They're the ones that, you know, thought it. Here's the deal, though. When we realize that everything we have is his. And when the gospel truly goes from our head to our heart, it's not about if someone's asking for money. Because I don't give because someone's asking for money. I give because God puts it on me to give. And so much we want to have balance in our life. How many of you are trying to find balance? <laughs> Guess what? It's a tension that's never going to happen. Because as soon as you find balance today... A 
curveball comes tomorrow, and now you're out of whack. What are you going to do? How are we going to respond? We're not going to find balance. What we find is obedience. Our balance comes as we obey the voice of God and the commandments of God and in the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's where we find balance. Why is that a balanceful life? Because he's never going to ask you to do something that he's not going to give you the grace to handle. Where do I get out of balance is when I start thinking that's a good idea. That's probably what God wants me to do. So I start going over there. Or I start thinking people will think more of me if I help out in more of these areas. Because it's not about what others, about earning that. It's not about working harder. It's about being obedient to him. And that's where we find that balance. So we begin to love on others even though that they're messy. Why? Because he loved you and me when we're messy. Yeah. All of a sudden, as we do this, we begin to treat others the way that Christ has treated us. 